with rhinos mm-hmm. 10 meters apart which is an amazing feeling yeah. except when the baby rhino decides it wants to know what you are and it's like jogging <laughs> over towards you and it's adorable and you're like oh my god this is so cute but the mother's like you get away from my yeah. son like, <laughs> stay away from my son and so you have to run from this tiny little <laughs> little rhino but it wants to chase you now it's like this is fun and the mother's just like giving you the stink eye like i swear to god if you don't keep running it's over <laughs> Tuesday and welcome back to Comes With Baggage. I know we missed last week. Oops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why was that, Chris? I mean, it was kind of both of our faults. We, you I think, were willing I think I, to make it work. <laughs> I can take most of the blame, yeah. Uh, I had to do uh, a visa run. So every three months our visa here ends and we just have to leave the country and come back. So we decided to make a trip of it to Thailand, which would have been fine because Thailand has great internet. But for some reason, the, the hotel I stayed at just did not. Uh, and so I messaged you and we said like, hey, if we can't record tonight, maybe we should do Friday night because I'll land at 10 in the morning. I've got the whole day to catch up on rest and then we can launch into it. But then I think you had something on, right? Yeah, on that Friday. Yeah, um, so... So not... it didn't work out. But to your guys' advantage, it gave you a week to catch up on any past episodes that you might have missed. Exactly. Um, and thank you to the people who actually reached out and went like, hey, what the hell? Where's my new episode? Because it, it's know. nice to hear that people actually miss it. I know. It warmed my heart. We got, I, got, I know we got a message on Facebook that was like, because I, I posted something, obviously, for you guys to be like, we're not going to have an episode this week, but we'll be back next week. And I had someone send us a message or comment on it or something and said, like, no wonder work was so boring today. (laughs) Millsy was just like, Millsy was just like, where the hell's my episode? Um, And then another friend messaged me because they got to the episode where I I said that none of my friends listen. And she was like, hey, what the hell? I listen every week. And I'm like, well, I don't know that. You've never, we've never spoken about your love of of comes with baggage. How am I supposed to know? Like, so thank you for letting me know, Clarissa. That was nice to hear. It's been a good week for compliments. Like we should not record more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're back now. Lucky you we guys. Are. And I'm actually curious to know now that we know so many people are listening to us. Because um, our numbers have actually been really good. And I'm curious to know what people's favorite episode is so far. Ooh, um, big call. I was just kind of like looking over the numbers, you know, things. And it's hard to tell by what's been listened to the most, if that's actually the most enjoyed. Um, so... Let us know. Send us a message. Yeah. Email us. Direct message us on Instagram. Um, Instagram is comes with baggage pod. Facebook comes with baggage podcast. Uh, Twitter is CWB podcast. And uh, the email comes with baggage podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah. Just when you're sending them in, be careful though, because if you're just going to say the one with Chris in it, we, we won't know which one you mean. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm in all of them. Guys, come on. Be more specific. You really underestimate our listeners, don't you? <laughs> Just you that one with all Chris. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, the one that Chris he's in it and he talks and uh you know, occasionally he waffles on. That one. That's that's the best episode, I think. Why wouldn't they say the one with Caitlin? Oh, she's okay as well, I guess. She she's in that one I like, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let us know which ones you guys like, because I'm curious to know. Yeah. And it also helps us to know what you're looking for in this podcast so we can cater to you guys and what you want to know. You can also send us random questions. If you're going on a trip, if you want to know, you want our advice or feedback or anything, please message us and uh, give us an ask and we might read it on the pod and answer it for you and all that jazz. So um, how was Thailand anyways? It was, uh, it was great, but I mean, we weren't really being tourists at all. Um, We've both been before to Thailand many times. In fact, we met there. Um, and we'd been to Chiang Mai before, so really we were just looking to chill. So we, we hung out by the pool, we ate a lot of Thai food, we went to the mall like three times, because uh, there's <laughs> no malls. Did you buy loads I mean, of stuff? We to- oh, totally, I got so much stuff. Uh, no, we just uh, we went to see a movie and ate food at the mall, that's it. Um, <laughs> they, they just don't really do malls in Vietnam. In Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh they do, but Da Nang's malls are sad. Uh, so it was kind of cool to be in one with like a cinema that was clean and with toilets that didn't look like they, you know, had been used very recently by the entire population. Um, (laughs) Chiang Mai, Chiang Mai is definitely uh, a place I could see myself living for a while. If I could handle the fact that there's a a lot of, uh, 
like douchey kind of like drop ship you know where we're going to be the next big thing digital nomad types which uh, i mean yeah. technically i am a digital nomad type but i like to think i keep it on the down low i'm not like bringing it up to friends all the time like hey do you know i'm a digital nomad yeah like i'm nomadic but on the internet digitally <laughs> is that what they sound like also that's, that's exactly you gave them an american like. accent they, they're all from california <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> i mean no, to I be mean... true i would love or to be true to be honest i would love to be able to live over there and have a job on the computer so i don't blame them no i mean there's nothing wrong with being a digital nomad there's just a very specific set it's when you really in certain spots fill that like... stereotype yeah yeah i mean it's like not all like not all australians who go to bali are the worst just a lot of them and, yeah and so on so um and how long were you in thailand for uh we were just there for four days so the closest to tourism we we walked around old town catching pokemon so that's i mean i'm i i love traveling but sometimes when especially when you live overseas you don't really want to you're not going on a holiday you're just sort of going to have a break so we literally hung out by the pool played games on our phones read a lot uh, slept in it was nice Nice. Uh, but not super exciting for the listeners to hear about because it's basically (laughs) everyone else's weekend yeah <laughs> but in another but in another country so it's shiny that sounds awesome yeah so, it was good what about you did you get up to anything start. with your week off um i had a weekend off too which was convenient oh. um of my real job <laughs> so it was really nice i had megan who um was our interviewee for the study abroad episode that we did oh yeah yeah so she came up her boyfriend um is a photographer and one of our other Mm -hmm. really good friends just got engaged so um her boyfriend was taking their engagement photos for them so they came up for the weekend and we made a little little fun thing out of it did some oh nice breweries um drank a lot of wine and it was quick but it was fun Um, and I, i oh sorry oh no Go ahead. <laughs> I saw that in, in Fine Comes With Baggage Tradition, um, she's having a career change after being interviewed. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, like, Jub, who we had on about sports, is no longer blogging about sport. He's going <laughs> to blog about New Zealand. And now she's switching to being a high school guidance counselor. Is yeah. That yeah. She, she couldn't announce it at the time that she was kind of going for this, I guess. But that's what she went to grad school for, was for teaching. Oh, perfect. Um, and so, yeah, she's going to be a high school guidance counselor. Um, and so we were actually talking about that because she announced it, or not announced it, but told us this weekend. And she's like, I know I just interviewed for this, or not interviewed, well, yeah, I interviewed on the podcast for being a study abroad advisor, but now I'm changing career paths. Well, it's a good thing she got in when she did, because I don't think we're going to be able to interview a lot of high school guidance counselors no. about travel stuff. I don't but think so. I mean, maybe. The one thought, but yeah, so it was a fun weekend when they were down here. Uh, Sunday, um, which is not exciting for the listeners, except that my <laughs> hairstylist that I'm friends with sent me a message before and was like, I'm so excited for your appointment because I have some questions for you. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I came in and basically she went to Italy, I think in summer of last year, I want to say, uh, for her friends, for a friend's wedding. And mm. she met an Italian. And then um, she's gone back, I think, three times since to visit him. But now she's toying with the idea of going over there for three months. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And so she was like, I need to know everything you know about visas and moving abroad. (laughs) And so it was good. My hair is super long and super thick, so it takes about three hours to do. So we had a lot of time to, uh, to discuss. But... And I was also, there's a lot of stuff that she was asking. I mean, for Americans moving to Europe, there's not a lot of options. Oh, really? Uh, no, not at all. Um, huh. And there's no, like, there's no working holiday visas. Like, there's no, like, way to kind of, like, test it out, you know? She's not mm. doing, like, she's a hairdresser. She's not doing a job on her computer where she can work remotely she'd have to yeah she'd need to get like a the equivalent of a green card or a working visa yeah and um there is like entrepreneur and like self-employed visas and stuff like that but there's a lot of 
logistics to it. So half the time I was sitting there just like Googling things and we were just reading articles <laughs> together. But yeah, it's a little disappointing. There's not a lot of options for Americans. So she's going to go for the three months, we think, and see how she likes it. Because you know there's like, it's vacation romance and you haven't spent... Yeah, it's hard to know until yeah. you actually spend a lot of and time so together. by the end of it, you know, if they figure out that they want to figure out something, I mean, they'll have some decisions to make. But um, it was kind of fun that she was like, you're the only person I know that has lived in all of these places and i need your advice and it made that appointment fun <laughs> yeah because i i mean i haven't had to get a haircut in a long while because malpat and baldness took that away from me but uh <laughs> i remember it would you be like a nice five beard minutes trim. Of, i no i don't trust anyone with this beard have you no one in vietnam can grow a beard <laughs> mm. um but uh True. i used to yeah going in for a haircut it would be like five minutes of pleasant conversation and then like 25 minutes of like awkward silence because we've run out of things to talk about so that actually three hours of conversation doesn't sound so bad yeah um lastly on my announcements i just wanted to mention this because i've had a couple conversations with people that listen to our travel insurance episode Mm -hmm. and they were like you know we never thought about it like buying travel insurance and they had trips coming up and they're like, I might have to look into that, you know? And like, I don't know if they actually did or if they actually bought it, but I bought travel insurance for both my upcoming trips. Whoa. And I just want to let people know, like, it's so cheap as well. <laughs> I, I know, it's only expensive once you, like, my trips are always super cheap until I add the US and then it doubles the price because you guys have got the, uh, the whole expensive healthcare deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I booked it for, you know, Croatia and Ireland and it was less than $100. And I booked it for my two weeks in Bali and it was less than $100. I think I've had mine now for like a year. Like I just keep buying it in six months blocks and I haven't needed it, but it's just good. Like whenever I, you know, get a bit of a cold or I'm starting to worry about something, I'm just like, you know what? It's cool. I got it. You know, I got it sorted. Yeah. It's, it's peace of mind. That's really what you're paying for. It's, you probably never use it and that's good. You don't want to. Yeah. But better, like we said in the last one, better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it definitely very very definitely um well i think that's about wraps up our little we don't have a we don't have a nice seamless segue this week i feel like we've we've let our listeners down usually we we sort of slip seamlessly into the topic of the week but uh i couldn't think of a way to bring it up oh they'll survive shit you know where they will survive (laughs) (laughs) in the wilds of africa (laughs) there we go there we go. Seamless. That was not forced in the slightest. <laughs> well, um, it is just the two of us this week, guys. But it's kind of a little switch up of the format, kind of. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Chris is a uh, kind of the ex- expert on this topic. Um, it'll be like I'm interviewing him. Yeah, we're mixing it up a little bit. Rather than just us talking about a topic, it'll be just me talking about a topic <laughs> and, and, and Kate asking lots of questions. Yeah, so we're doing we're talking safaris in Africa. Um, and considering that my level of knowledge on the topic pretty much goes as far as reading Chelsea Handler's book, You Gone to Be Kidding Me. Um, That's a good name, though. That's a good name. It's almost uh... as good as J- Jamaican Me Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I like both of those. <laughs> yeah, I know like more about literally almost every single topic in the world than safaris <laughs> this is like so. near the bottom it's like this and like quantum <laughs> physics or like neck and neck yeah exactly nice right. um so i'm stoked about this and i've got a great lineup of questions i'm like daunted at the level of preparation <laughs> that you've gone to this it's like well I, my for, for most of our guests i like just remember who it is on a given day <laughs> but you're like i have a list and i'm working on questions for you right oh, yeah. now maybe i should establish why i know a lot about safaris yeah okay so should we go with that <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking safaris in africa and what's your like so what's your background in it yeah, so uh, prior, prior to 2014, I'd never been to Africa. I didn't know much about it beyond I could name the countries because of World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> uh, but I took a press trip uh, as part of my role at Aussie on the Road uh, to Tanzania like for a four-day safari, which was like something I'd always thought I'd never be able to afford to do. Uh, and it was amazing, you know, seeing the wildebeest migration and lions and leopards up close and, you know, spending a night out on the Serengeti with things that, I wouldn't have even been able to fathom if you'd told me I'd be doing them. But I hit it off with the owner and got chatting about how they needed like a resident blogger. 
Uh, and so that led to me writing a lot of content for them, you know, editing their itineraries. And then that led to sales. And then that led to me living in Tanzania for six months, one year and three months the next. And, and now that's like much my bread and butter. I, I spend a, a couple of months every year in, in Tanzania or Kenya or somewhere in East Africa generally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I sell safaris. I send around a hundred groups per year, just myself uh, to, to East Africa and now Southern Africa as well. Um, so I've, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on African like culture or Africa as a whole, but I, I definitely know the safari industry pretty well. I think we're one of the top rated companies in, uh, in Tanzania. So we do, we do all right for ourselves and we've just opened our first lodge. So we're getting, we're getting fancy. So not only are you just, you know, booking tours. So you're, you're like your company runs tours, but then now you're going to have actual like accommodation options too. Yeah, so as it is, we're a tour operator, so we own the vehicles and we, uh, we have employed guides who take people out on safari in whatever country they're going to, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we book the hotels, like we get better rates than you get online, yeah. but we book the hotels for you and it's like a package. Uh, but now we've got our own hotel opening in Arusha, which is sort of where people start and end their safaris. And then long term, we're hoping to open a couple in other national parks so that people are with us every step of the way, like some of the bigger brands like and beyond or Abercrombie and Kent, these ones have their own camps and we're hoping to get there one day. Did you just say Abercrombie and Kent? Yeah. That's the name of a tour company. Yeah. Yeah. They're a safari company, not to be confused with Abercrombie and Fitch. Well, that's all I uh, think about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I'm oh pretty, I got to double check. It's called Abercrombie and Kent, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Abercrombie and Kent. So they do tours all over the world, but, uh, authentic luxury holidays they're american they're from illinois founded in 1962 when was abercrombie and fitch founded because i'm pretty sure they ripped that off shit i wonder (laughs) if it's the same abercrombie let's find out abercrombie (laughs) and fitch was founded abercrombie and fitch was founded oh you're letting me down google 1892 so it wins the abercrombie yeah so abercrombie and kent totally ripped them off yeah well they can they can eat it unless it is the same Abercrombie, then we'll let it slide. It could be. He's just been alive for a hundred years and found companies <laughs> all the time. He's a vampire, is this Abercrombie fellow. Um So yeah, so how do you what are the best countries? Is there a best country to choose? Like Oh yeah, I mean how do you decide they're... are they different options? like, you know, do you get different things deciding on which country to go to? Like Madagascar, Kenya, Tanzania, South Africa. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's like if someone asked you, you know, what's the difference? Bet- are the different countries in Europe different? Uh, obviously, some are going to be more similar than others because they might share, like for example, Kenya and Tanzania. They share a lot of, like, they share a border, so the the ecosystems are similar. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the Masai Mara and the Serengeti, which are the two most famous parks for seeing the the, like the big five and the wildebeest migration, they're the same park. They're, the only difference is that there's a border between them. Um, and then everyone speaks Swahili. So that area is very similar. But then if you looked at, say, Madagascar versus Ethiopia, wildly different countries, different histories, cultures, wildlife, landscapes. Would you, see, um, so, would you be able to see the big five in pretty much every country? Oh, no, uh, definitely not. What are, um, what are the big, let's, just so people know, I, this is, I think, the one thing I know. Let me see if I can figure it out. Can you guess them? Yeah, the big five. So I'm going to guess elephants. Yes. Lions. Yes. Giraffes? No. No giraffes? Uh, don't, don't think size. I know. Uh, the big five is, is named for how hard they were to hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rhinos? Yes. What am I at? Three? Three. You got two more. Uh, There's cheetah? another big cat in there. No, not cheetah. Leopard? Yep. Puma. And the last one you no. won't <laughs> guess because they're boring. Um, buffalo? Uh, yes, it is. It's the Cape <laughs> Buffalo. Damn. It's, uh, yeah, they were the hardest to hunt, in fact, because they get so aggressive when they're wounded that they can, uh, they've been known to fend off entire prides of lions. So, uh, like, a lonesome great white hunter from, from Europe stood no chance when one of them got angry. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, hunting is still an issue all across Africa, poaching in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even, like, people ask me sometimes, like, hey, could you organize a hunting safari? And I'm like, that's the opposite, like... Generally speaking, if you're in the safari business, it's because you have a great love for Africa and for the wildlife. So for, for me, the idea of sending anyone to hunt something is, is abhorrent. Um, well, I did, to- I did ask um, on our socials, you know, for people to send in questions about safaris. And that was one of the biggest ones. We got that one a couple times of times. Really? Oh, like, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Like, um, our, like our animals 
hurt or whatever harmed at all or like are there concerns about animal tourism uh and i think that's going to vary from country to country so some countries do allow game hunting uh some of it is regulated so for example in namibia they specifically grow like they specifically have animals they raise for for eating uh like um certain species of antelope like um well, yeah, it'd be like kudu and eland and stuff, and stuff um, here, yeah here. in the same way you'd raise cows and stuff like that except not not kept in farms they're sort of hunted wild okay. but they specifically breed them to be hunted wild got it um but certain countries have better reputations than others so for example south africa's still got this worrying habit of having animal experiences where you can touch or hold an animal sort of like riding an elephant in thailand or you know like lying with the tigers in in certain countries yeah. in southeast asia uh so that's that's an issue because even if you're not directly harming the baby lion you're hugging or the you know the ostrich that you're playing with they're they're caught from the wild usually and that can sometimes mean either separating them from their parents or killing their parents. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Tanzania and Kenya, they don't allow that sort of activity. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't ever sell it. Um, the, the closest we have to that is, for example, in Uganda, there's a rhinoceros sanctuary where you can walk side by side with rhinos, mm -hmm. 10 metres apart, which is an amazing feeling. Yeah. Except when the baby rhino decides it wants to know what you are and it's like jogging <laughs> over towards you. And it's adorable. And you're like, oh my God, this is so cute. But the mother's like, you get away from my yeah. son. <laughs> like, Stay away from my son. And so you have to run from this tiny little... <laughs> little rhino but it wants to chase you now it's like this is fun and the mother's just like giving you the stink eye like i swear to god if you don't keep running it's over um and there's certain experiences like yeah you can hike with um with gorillas in rwanda or uganda and you get very close to them uh but there's strict rules on it you know you don't bring any food you can't even have a sniffle because they obviously because we share a lot of dna they're very susceptible to our to our diseases okay yeah um so yeah there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of strict rules like uh you have to stay on the roads within the parks you can't go off land because you saw a lion over there like and that conserves that separation between the tourism and the wilderness if a lion doesn't want to be seen by tourists it can leave the side of the road and be okay it doesn't get harassed whereas in certain parks in other countries that I won't name specifically for fear of offending people. You can just go off road and chase a lion. And obviously that's not good for their mental state. And that's not good for, for the ecology either, because while you're driving overland, you're yeah. smashing burrows and knocking trees out of the way. So um, it really depends on the country and it depends on the tour operator as well. There are definitely some that are a little less, con like they're more about getting the five-star review than that worrying about the effect they're having on the world around them. Yeah, on, 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 on their ecosystem. Yeah. Of the, yeah. Of the what is it called? The National Park? The, the parks. The, yeah, thank you. The yeah, parks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. That's, so then how do you know, how do you go about picking, like to know whether or not a tour company is a good tour company for you? Sure. I mean, it's hard for me to give an unbiased answer because I would just say go with just, us. But, yeah, of um, I mean, it's, you check reviews. I mean, you can generally get a feel for a company by as much as TripAdvisor is a bit of a, a crapshoot sometimes yeah. uh, because you can game that system. You'll see if people are doing anything too untoward. Uh, so, for example, some of those places in South Africa that have like lion farms where you can pet them and hold them, you'll see five-star reviews from people who are like, this is really cool. But then you'll see the other reviews that are one-star and they're saying, this is so depressing. Um, and I, you know... It's, it, it can I mean, be hard. There's no easy way. It's check the ones that have a lot of clients because they're generally going to be the ones that haven't been fined or told to stop, you know, yeah. leading tours. I mean, anything that where you're able to touch and hold animals is pretty frowned upon, generally speaking, I would agree right? with that, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's obviously impacting them. Like, the one exception I know of is... Um, in Nairobi, Kenya, there is an elephant orphanage. And these animals, they're found in the wild where they've been abandoned by their mother or they've fallen down a well, which is weirdly common for elephants. Yeah. Um, and so they're taken there and they're raised to a certain age and then they're taken to a big game reserve where they're slowly reintroduced back into the wilderness. So there you can you can uh, like pet them as they run by. They'll come really close to you. And that's a really cool experience, but that's limited to one hour per day, five days a week. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're inundated with tourists all the time. There's a very strict set of rules on how you can interact with them and when. And while I guess some might say, it will, there should be no interaction, 
Uh, that's how this place is raising money. Like they take donations for you to come in and then they, at the end they do a big sales pitch like, would you like to adopt an elephant? Um, and so it's kind of hard, you know, I don't want to begrudge them that because if they didn't take donations and they didn't let people see, they wouldn't be able to afford the work of shipping dozens of elephants across Kenya and feeding them and having them treated for injuries and then releasing them into the wild. Mm -hmm. So it's that double-edged sword. It's, it's when it's exploitative without any give back that I find it, a problem you know like the elephant rides in thailand that money's not going towards conservation or the lion sanctuary is where they've pulled the lion's claws out and they've sedated it so you can get a cool tw tinder pick yeah. uh that's not helping lion conservation if anything it's harming it um so yeah that's where i stand on it i know some people are on board with some people go further and they say you shouldn't ride horses then and you shouldn't have pets and i mean that's a personal decision but for me wild animals should have as little we should have as little impact on them as we can even though to do this we might have to have a large impact on them by creating conservation areas or keeping them in you know secure sheltered areas where they can't be hunted for their horns or for their fur yeah so are the parks closed off then or can the animals kind of come and go as they please uh, the animals can come and go as they please. Um, they don't fence them, at least not in, in East Africa. Okay. Uh, in fact, the biggest selling point in East Africa is, is the wildebeest migration. Like 1.5 million wildebeest, zebras, and antelope making their way from the southern Serengeti mm -hmm. in Tanzania all the way up into the Maasai Mara. And it takes them several months, and, they, and in that time they cross through three parks, uh, and obviously they cross a national border. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no fences there. The only barrier are a couple of rivers, and that's the big thing that I'm sure people have seen pictures of where you've got this huge herd of wildebeest throwing themselves across a river while crocodiles lunge up at them. That's probably the most popular thing people want to see. People pay big money and that's happening right now. So that's my work is keeping me so busy because we have dozens of clients every week who are trekking up there in the hope because there's no guarantee, obviously. It's yeah. 1.5 million animals and they're moving at whatever pace they like. Yes. But to see that up, up close, that's the thing people pay big money for. Um, and I haven't seen it. I've seen the migration, but I've never caught the river crossing. I, uh, the one time I that yeah, river crossing the one... is not my cup of tea. I'm, I'm all I get it. It's a circle of life, but <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't like seeing animals killing other animals. No, it's a morbid thing. Some people can't handle. Like I don't particularly want to see a, a hyena tear a, like a, a zebra's guts out. I have, but I don't want to see it. But there are people who like seek that out. That's what they want to see yeah. is a kill. I am. Um, um... It's. I remember when I was getting my most recent tattoo, it was like, it wasn't planet earth, but it was like something kind of similar to planet earth was playing on the TV at the tattoo parlor. And Is all that one it with was, the awful song by Ellie Goulding at the end. I have no idea. There was no sound. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but there was, I just remember it was just like this scene of like all of these leopards or ch cheetahs or something, some big cat, um, mm. trying to get these Buffalo, I believe they were. Or okay, yeah. some some sort of they, large Do they animal. look like big cows? Yeah. <laughs> I know what a buffalo looks like. I just <laughs> I'm I, just trying to I help. feel like that's not really right, but I can't think of what other, else it could have been. It's probably, a, is it, you sure it's not a wildebeest? They or it might have been a wildebeest. Um, yeah, they look kind of cow-like. But it was just like, apparently, according to this TV show, hours and I was reading the captions, <laughs> um, hours and hours of them like trying to tire the... Mm. I saw that I episode. Those were cheetahs. Yeah, oh, cheetahs. Yeah. And he's like bleeding. And I'm just like, this is just miserable. I get it. It's a circle of life. This is nature. This is what happens. <laughs> but, but you don't need to see I it. It's like seeing to... how the sausage is made. I don't need to see it. I know it's not great to look at. Yeah. It was not. I was like, can we turn this something else? Like, I'll watch some penguins but... jumping in the water. <laughs> or I've... But it takes, it takes all kinds because we have people who want to see that. And yeah. then we have people who want to see flamingos like seriously there's all of these other amazing animals but they're like but flamingos yeah and so they're not that. easy that's, to find that's that kind of <laughs> i'm that kind of person <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing that's that's where my job is good because a lot of companies do group tours where it's like this is the schedule this is the day it departs get in the car but we do bespoke so people message me and say what they want and then it's my job to interpret that and to find a way to make that work so whether it's five days camping in the middle of the serengeti or whether it's I have a client coming next week, uh, next month for 41 days across four Holy countries. Crap. And he's doing everything from cultural stuff to white water rafting in, in, on the Nile to gorilla trekking to safaris. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's the fun part of my job, though. If someone says, I really want to see flamingos and that's it, 
then my job is to find a way to make that happen, but also to make that interesting. Because I guarantee you, five days of looking at flamingos, you're going to get bored. Yeah, well, it just just gets the same after a while. I remember doing, when I went to Mexico in uh, Isla Holbosh, we did a little boat tour. And by Mm -hmm. like the fourth island that day of finding flamingos, I'm like, oh yeah, I love more flamingos. (laughs) Like the first time you see it, it's exciting. (laughs) You want to hear something frightening though, is when you've been on safari long enough, uh, you'll get that way with almost everything. Yeah. Like the last safari I did with Rochelle, she's like, oh, antelope, oh, zebra. And I'm like, oh, wake me up if you see like a lion or an <laughs> elephant, <laughs> like, which sounds so jaded. But I mean, in my defense, I've been out on safari like 40 or 50 days of my life now. Yeah. And I still think it's amazing. And every day is still like a, there'll be a moment where I'm like, whoa, but there's only so many zebras you can see. There's only so many times you can see lions lying on a rock. That's, that's like the, what's the word for it? It's like that. It's like a first world problem. Like yeah. the average person, that sounds amazing. But if it's your job, it's like, eh, it's like working in a brewery. You don't, you know, you know, you don't want to drink the beer every day. Oh yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I am with the safari thing. It's like I love going on safari, but if, but I've just done it a lot. Anything so I don't becomes to... a job. <laughs> Any, exactly. Anything like exactly. anything that is amazing can become a job when you have to do it day in day out. And we'll only yeah, feel like it, that. that's definitely the case. Yeah. Uh, um. So how? What is like the estimated amount that someone would spend on like a week-long safari trip but i know that factors in a lot of options yeah there's a lot of variables there um because i mean countries obviously vary from like in just in general like tanzania for example you asked earlier where the best place to see the big five was and i would say it's tanzania okay but it also is probably the most expensive because Um, you can see the big five there probably i'm guessing (laughs) Uh, because you can see the big five and because the wildebeest migration that we spoke about, that's there for nine out of 12 months. The other three months it's in Kenya. Oh, okay. So it's just, it's, I mean, it's got it all. Now, Kenya is a little cheaper because it's still probably the more popular destination because people just know the name. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, Kenya, that's, a, that's where you go on safari. Um, so even though it's probably, in my opinion, it's not quite as good uh, for game viewing, it's, it's very, it's affordable because there's so much tourism. Um, uh, but... I guess for a week, I mean, it depends. You could camp and do a week for maybe just over $1,500 per person. Uh, or you could do it full luxury and drop 9000 or $10,000 per person. Holy crap, on a week? <laughs> yeah, but, but that's going to depend on the time of year you're visiting, obviously. That's going to depend on the kind of accommodation, how many people you're bringing. If it's one person, you know, you're paying all those fees for yourself. If it's six of you in a car together, then you're splitting the cost of a car, the cost of the driver's salary... Yeah. Uh, and obviously the, the, the park fees are the same because they're usually per person, but there's definitely ways around it. Like for example, you can cut the cost a little bit by splitting things amongst yourself. Yeah. And obviously if you're staying in a lodge or you're staying camping, that's going to be different. Where do you camp? Are there like campgrounds? There's there's campsites. Yeah. There's campsites with like, uh, small kitchen areas and like restrooms. Uh, are they protected from roaming animals? There's no fences or anything, but they have armed ranges. Okay. Uh, who will sort of so they don't stop the animals from coming in though so for example you'll be camping and you can an elephant can come through the camp yeah the rangers are just there if it gets aggressive so they'll let it walk through the camp yeah. um i i honestly i haven't had the chance to go camping because obviously as someone who sells safaris my boss is wanting me to sell the things that make us more money and the camping is not so she's like you don't really need to experience it just don't recommend it and if they ask give them this so <laughs> I would love to do it, uh, and I have been in many tented camps. But tented camps, are, if you don't know, are like a, they're basically a hotel room in a tent. You've yeah, got like a private glamping. bathroom. You've got a four-poster. Yeah, exactly like glamping. You've got a four-poster bed, and you've got uh, you know a private little balcony. Some of them have plunge pools. Um, you know they get they get downright fancy. Um, but I would one hundred percent recommend that over a brick and mortar lodge. Just because you can, you fall asleep to the sound of wildebeest or hyenas like chuckling just outside the tent. Yeah. In a brick and mortar lodge, they don't come that close because they know it's not natural. Yeah. If that makes sense, they might walk through the grounds really quickly, but they're not going to hang out. No. Um, and obviously, you're not going to hear anything behind your flat screen TV and your air conditioner yeah. blasting. So, for me, it's definitely about being in Africa, not being on holiday and just stepping into your car to go on a safari every day. And then. I've also, and I know maybe this isn't your best area of expertise because you do sell tours, but um, when I was researching this, like I was reading that there's actually, you can do self-guided tours. That's a thing. Yep, yep. That varies from country to country. So South Africa and Namibia are famous for this. You can just rent a car 
and do it yourself. And um, you literally just drive through the parks and yeah, obviously you have to pay own. to get it. You yeah, you pay an entry fee to get in, and there's rules on how long you can be in there and things like that. But essentially, yeah. So South Southern Africa is big on the self drive, which obviously we sell as well. But it's you know it's uh, there's obviously less money for us to make because we're not using our driver or our car or usually these people will book their own accommodation as well. Uh-huh. So I mean, if you're on a budget or if you just like the freedom to do how, whatever you want, you can totally do that. The trade-off is, unless you've done a lot of research, you might not know what that antelope species is or what kind of bird is sitting over there or stuff like or that. Or even notice yeah. stuff or find stuff as easily. Oh, my God. Like, the, the eyes on our guides, uh, and this is not just our guides. I mean, just the guys who drive safari Yeah, they've spent their general. life in these parks. It's ridiculous. I was joking on a safari that I wanted to see a serval cat, which is like a small cheetah. Like, that's what it looks like. It's got long legs. It's very dainty, gorgeous cat. But they're, t- they're like the size of a cat and they blend in really well in the grass. And I swear to God, within 15 minutes, he's like, serval cat. And like <laughs> he pointed and I can't see anything. We drive for another like 200 meters up the road and there's one just chasing a mouse on the side of the road. I don't know. He didn't use his binoculars. It's like a sixth sense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess, you know, that's, that's how they make their money. That's their bread and butter is, is like hearing what the client wants in the back. Maybe not even being asked and going... Like, I'm going to find that thing. Yeah, of course. And that's, that's, that's the value of a good guide. You know, if you want to see rhinos or leopards or whatever it might be, pangolins, they will do their damnedest to find it. They can't guarantee it, but they'll try their best, which is, I think, a pretty big selling point for a guided tour versus a self-drive. Okay. Yeah. I mean, definitely, if you're on a budget, if that is an option. You can still see things. And Yeah, and there are group tours. Like, um, there are places where you can, they'll put 16 or 20 people in, a, in like, a minibus. Mm-hmm. And they'll take you out on safari. So if you're like trying to keep your budget to like $500 for your five days, mm-hmm. uh, that's achievable. The trade-off being then that, you know, you're going to get told when you're stopping and for how long. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, 10 years ago, I'd have taken that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like I'd been like, hell yeah. But, you know, as you get a bit older, maybe you want to take photos or if you're like us, you might want to do a good Instagram story or whatever. Yeah. If you, you can't do that, if 19 other people are waiting for you to hurry the fuck up. Yeah. So it's the trade. As far as like, so what is a like safari car, I guess, look like if you're like booking a safari trip, like how many people are generally in a, in a tour together? Um, or is it more personal where it's just, you know, you or your group and the guides? Um, well, that's, uh, yeah, that depends Again, a it's lot. Relative, like, yeah. For, yeah. For us, we only do private tours. So if you called and said you wanted a tour, it would just be you. Okay. If you called with five friends and said you wanted a tour, it would be the five of you. Um, but some companies, as I said, they'll do a bus thing yeah. where it's like Tuesday morning, we depart, we get back Friday night. Um, so there's a lot of options there. Uh, we do the, the private option. Sometimes we have clients who just by random chance, like there's a couple here and a couple there who both want to do the same safari on the same day. And they've even got similar tastes. Mm-hmm. We can, if they're open to it, we can be like, Hey, do you guys want to jump in together and save yourself some money? But it's it's rare for us. Like we're not we're not like a big big provider where we have hundreds of people coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have that freedom to just pick people out of a list and go. These guys are all on the same day. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, it's so far as one of those things. I don't think they're a thing that as a backpacker are super super achievable. Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say you can't do it. But to be honest, it's kind of like skydiving to me. It's like. Yeah, you could do it with a, with a cheap company, but it's like, do you really want to? Yeah, of course. Um, like, and it's not like it's not like the cheap companies are going to get you killed. You know, you're not going to get eaten by lions if you go with a budget yeah. company. But you get what you pay for. You're probably going to have you know you less than much. nice hotels. Yeah. yeah, your driver might be kind of just because eh, he's not getting paid, you know, a good salary. So I know for at least with us, we pay above above standard industry standard to our drivers mm-hmm. because we want them to be super motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, which means sometimes our safaris are more expensive, but I wouldn't ask those guys. Like guys like Bashir, Dixon, and Freddie, these guys who I know and have had beers with, and who I know are great guys who have like who work hard. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't ask them to take a pay cut just so we can compete with one of these big operators like Abercrombie and Kent. <laughs> Let's put them out there again because fuck those guys. No, I'm kidding. We have no issue with Abercrombie and Kent. Oh, I, I don't have no. any beef with you. Oh shit! I started a turf war. I'm sorry. Um, no, I mean, I just, they're just a name that jumped out because um, I still have their page open. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you get what you pay for. So some places are going to charge you you know, more uh, and maybe that's because they're lining their pockets more or maybe it's because they're paying their employees a fair salary. Mm-hmm. 
what's the best time of year to go? Is there a better time than Ooh. other times? I mean, yeah, I'm assuming 100%. there's seasons in Africa just like there would be on any other continent. Yeah, so East Africa in particular is it's equatorial, so it's a wet season, dry season kind of thing. Okay. Um, so if you want to, so for example, wet season, April and May, the game viewing's not as good and the grass is much taller, so it's beautiful and green. Uh, but the flip side there is that a lot of luxury accommodation knock their prices down by like two thirds because they're just trying to get bodies in beds. Mm -hmm. So I, I push people who are like, I want a luxury safari, but I only have $3,000. I'm like, come in April because mm -hmm. you'll still see lions and leopards, but you're going to get to stay in the four seasons for half the price they charge in June. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you want to see the wildebeest migration, June through September, October, that's like peak season. That's when everything in Kenya and Tanzania is full. Um, but, you know, you're getting a ticket to what they call the greatest show on earth. Huh. I mean, it's it's super impressive. But again, it's, it's going to vary from country to country. If you want to go gorilla trekking, uh, the timing's a little different because obviously they live in mountain forests, not open plains. So the weather affects them in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's the thing. We sell so many different places now. Like we've got Zimbabwe and Botswana and Madagascar and Ethiopia. Some of them aren't as seasonally affected. Ethiopia is pretty fine all year because you're not really going for game viewing. You're going to see these ancient rock-hewn churches and this interesting cultural stuff. I mean, Ethiopia is the only country in Africa that fought off the European invasion. Mm -hmm. So they've got their history is uninterrupted, which is fascinating. And I, I'm dying to get there and see it for myself. But... I mean, they have some of the oldest churches and castles in the world, and that's including Europe. Oh, wow. So, like, I, I just, I'm super eager to get there one day. I mean, there's a bit of civil unrest there right now, which is kind of dampening their, their uh, push to be a bigger tourist destination. But it can be done. I mean, Rwanda 20 years ago, people, if you ask people what they knew about Rwanda, they'd have said, oh, you know, they had a genocide there and everyone's poor. Now Rwanda is like the Singapore of Africa. It's, it's beautiful. It's clean. It's super safe. Uh, and it's the locals aren't living, you know, the highest standard of living, but it's much higher than their neighbors. And tourism is big money there. A gorilla permit there is fifteen hundred US dollars per person, and that's for one hour with the gorillas. Is that high or low? <laughs> uh, I mean, fifteen hundred US dollars for an hour of your life, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, to me that seems super high, but I just didn't I mean, know yeah, if it's... like for the going rate in Rwanda. <laughs> Like, oh, I mean, maybe. it's it's if you go across the border into Uganda, it's six hundred for the same experience. So okay, I mean, gotcha. Rwanda's just it's targeting that high end market. Yeah, and uh, I mean, so it's it's sort of a sign of how Rwanda's developed in what twenty some twenty odd years since the genocide. It has just come so far to being one of the most developed countries uh, in Africa, and and it's one of the safest countries in the world. Like in terms of the crime rate, it's ridiculously low, and people. People get in their heads, they go, Africa's dangerous, or Africa has Ebola, or Africa yeah, has Yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, how does that affect even you working for a company like this when I, there's so many common misconceptions about Africa and its safety and disease and unrest and all of that stuff? <laughs> and I'm, ima yeah, I'm imagining it, it can not be... to put all of these people in one little box, but, like, people that have a shit ton of money to spend on things like this tend to also be the people that believe these yeah i mean it's myths, unfortunate because you know? africa is a huge continent with so much variety i mean people forget how how large it is so in 2014 with the ebola crisis there was no ebola in east africa there was some in south africa but people were canceling trips like it was going out of fashion like it uh, this is before i worked for the company but they were very very close to going under and a lot of companies did mm -hmm. Uh, just because people were like, but there's a bowler in Africa, so I can't go. Meanwhile, there was a bowler in Texas, mm -hmm. and people were like, I can still visit America because you can. Yeah, I just won't go to um, Texas. Yeah, just don't go to that place in Texas and let a guy spit in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, then you'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and it's certain countries are working really hard, in particular, to like to fight that image. Um, but then something bad will happen. Like uh, Kenya had a, a shooting two months ago now. Um, which is really tragic, but I had multiple people email me being like, is it still safe to go to Tanzania? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I do know, but I'm like, <laughs> is it safe to go to Florida when there was a shooting in Washington last week? Well, yes, of course it's safe. I mean, if there were hundreds of shootings or if there was like a coup, obviously we would be reassessing, but it's usually like a very small thing in Africa is a big deal. Whereas if the same thing were to happen in Sydney or uh, well, anywhere yeah. uh, in the Western world, people sort of, 
play it down as just a one-off incident but when it's africa it like it confirms their suspicions you know like oh i knew it africa all along you've been dangerous yeah but i mean i lived there for nine months and i felt safe the, the, the least safe i felt was when i accidentally blundered into a hippopotamus uh <laughs> not physically touching it but like i blundered within about 10 feet of a hippopotamus at night and it like reared up and i ran because <laughs> a hippopotamus will kill you what were you doing at uh, nighttime? I was on the banks of the, the Nile in Murchison Falls National Park in Uganda. Sleepwalking or something? No, no, no. There's, no. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be terrifying. Uh, no, no, a lot of the camps are on the rivers there, and hippos by day stay in the water, but at night they come out to graze. But that's when people get killed because they're not, they, they get spooked very easily yeah. and they'll just kill you. And in fact, uh, hippos kill more people per year than any other animal in Africa. Um, it's not lions, it's not leopards, it's, it's hippos. Hmm. Um, so I ran, like I ran, I was terrified. Um, it didn't chase me cause it's like, cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I would say though that that doesn't happen very often to clients. It's because I was at the hotel as a guest of the management. So I was like, you know, wandering around places that a guest wouldn't shouldn't be. I was been. like walking around. Yeah. Maybe shouldn't have been, but definitely a client wouldn't have been. So, I mean, that's, that's the least safe I felt though. I never, you know, felt like someone was going to rob me or that a place I was in was, was dangerous or, you know, perilous. Um, I mean, I had a tarantula crawl under my door. That was unpleasant, but that was in my house, not on safari. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what is something that, like, what are the type, like, what do, what do you pack on a trip like this? What do you need to bring? With oh, you? yeah. What do you, what do you, I mean, obviously, you know, bring your cameras. And if you're camping, oh, yeah. like, if you decide to camp, do you need to bring your own gear? Do you rent it when you're there? If you're staying, you know, obviously lodge, like in a lodge, is it basically just like you'd pack for any other trip, just clothes and toiletries and stuff? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a little, there's a few extra little quirks. Like don't generally on safari, you won't wear brightly colored clothes just because animals will notice that. And it, they, it's not like ideal. Yeah. You know, you need to wear like earthy colors. Like the cars themselves are a sort of a khaki green Well, yeah, it's brown. like you'd see in any movie. I mean, yeah, the don't wear the... all wearing khaki and sage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't, I wouldn't re recommend wearing, like, the full-on safari gear with the pith helmet because that sort of harkens back to when the colonial era was kind of running roughshod. But, I mean, you can wear... I mean, I wear shorts and a T-shirt when I'm on safari. And, like, I'll wear sneakers and I'll make sure they're not brightly coloured. Bringing insect repellent because you've got mosquitoes and, and tsetse mm -hmm. flies, which are a pain in the butt. Um, but there's nothing... It's not like you're going on this deadly adventure yeah. like when the first time i went i packed pocket knife and a headlamp and a fucking like everything my mum went with me and it was like i was going away to college like you're hiking um at fucking through i had the i had steel-toed hiking yeah i had steel-toed hiking boots and like a, like it was ridiculous the guy next I get to you there, thongs <laughs> pretty much now when i lived there last i didn't even take like you know i had like uh, all these vaccinations and anti-malarials the last time i lived there i didn't take anti-malarials i didn't even worry about it I like brought my Nintendo 64 along. Oh my god! So, I mean, it, it's, really you know, getting it's, the full Africa experience. Well, I mean, but I was just working from an office yeah. there, so it wasn't super exciting. But uh, generally speaking, for safari, just comfortable clothes, uh, and it gets quite cool at night out on, in the wilderness. So having a hoodie or a jacket, I mean, it's you're not really roughing shoes. It, you, you can know? run Unless in in case choosing... you run into a hippopotamus. Yeah, well, the trick there is just run. You don't have to be the fastest. There, you just have to be faster than one other person. That's the trick yeah, with hippos. No, um, no, but I mean, really, if you're not if you're not roughing it, like if you're not camping, just pack like you would for any other trip. But obviously, taking into account things like animals don't like bright colors, or that a lot of these countries are more modest than the West, so like tank tops and short shorts generally don't fly so well. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the beaches of Zanzibar, it's okay, but on safari, you know, tank tops are kind of frowned upon. Muscle shirts for guys kind of frowned upon. Okay, um, that's good to know for people. Yeah. And then if you were camping, do you rent gear when you get there or do you have to bring it with you? I mean, we provide it. Like we send along a private chef who cooks your meals for you. So you're not like cooking beans over a campfire. Oh. Um, but yeah, some companies, I think you could probably bring your own. I know some companies you literally go to a grocery store and you buy the food and you take it with you. Mm -hmm. We We don't, we sort of go a little bit higher than that. Like just because there's just uh, there's no money to be made in selling a safari course, to three yeah. guys who want to cook all their own food it's like the the amount of time i would spend preparing that would not be worth the 20 dollars commission i ended up making yeah um 
Plus, weirdly enough, the people who complain the most aren't the luxury guys dropping 10 grand. It's the budget travelers. They complain the most about the, long, the weirdest stuff because it's like they want to spend $900, let's say. But what you get for $900 isn't what they want to get for $900. So then they just complain the whole time about like this hotel wasn't nice enough. And I'm like, well, you chose it first and yeah. foremost. You told me this is the one you wanted. And of course it's not nice. It's $17 a night in Kampala. Like yeah. what were you expecting? Um, so budget travelers, we, we cater to them, mm-hmm. but uh, they're definitely not our target market. We sort of go for like families up all the way up to like, I wouldn't say we're ready to, to handle like multi-millionaires mm-hmm. level of luxury, but we have some pretty luxurious, you know, clients coming through. And I mean, I know right now I've got luxury clients out there. I've got budget clients out there. And my job when they're, once they're on Safari is I keep an eye out to make sure that everything's good. So they've got my Skype, my WhatsApp, and anytime they need me, they'll shoot me a text or call me. And then I'll run stuff through the office just in case they're not comfortable calling a, a stranger in Tanzania or Kenya. How does that work? So, I mean, my job... How does that work with the time difference with you in Vietnam? Oh, it's a pain. It's a huge pain in the ass. What if someone messages you like <laughs> in the a... middle of the night? Uh, if I see it, I'll reply. Uh, sometimes I'm asleep. But, I mean, they have the contact numbers in, in Africa. And obviously, they're with one of our employees at all times. We've got a driver with them. Okay. Uh, but some people just feel comfortable talking to the guy they've been talking to. And I've got... I have a client who I sent on Safari two years ago who just still emails me just as friends. You know, he's invited me to come hang out with him if I'm ever in Japan. I said he's welcome to come hang out with me here in Vietnam. We hit it off. Like I sometimes exchange two or 300 emails with a client before they leave. So I get to know them, you know, like I know what movies they're seeing on the weekend. I know about their, what date their wedding was because I organized their honeymoon. I mean, and that's, I think, I don't want to like go into full sales mode, but I think that's part of what, what makes us one of the top companies in Tanzania versus others is that each of us is super into like providing a good customer experience. And um, I mean, I genuinely just like helping people design trips. I actually like, I get, I get to design five or six a day and that's fun for me. No, that would be totally um, fun for me. I need to get into this job. <laughs> it's, it's cool. Like it's and a lot of them are, are the same, you know, a lot of them, are, I've got five days. I want to see X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That doesn't take me long, two minutes. But some, some like this 41 day one next month, he wants Madagascar oh, sure and Ethiopia blast. and he wanted, it's, it, it's a, it, it was, it was like really cool to design. It took a lot of research because obviously some of the places he was asking for, I've never sold, you know, I didn't even know people wanted to go to that particular town in, in rural Tanzania, but I made it happen. And it was fun to come up with, you know, the logistics and find a hotel that accepted foreigners and stuff yeah. like that. So it's a cool job, but the best part for me is that I get to go to Africa once a year and hang out so next year i'm hoping january february march i'll be doing their youtube channel so i'll be going all over africa doing um like travel videos travel logs about both living there and going to victoria falls or going to mount kilimanjaro so that's going to be awesome because uh usually when i'm there i'm just working whereas this time i'll be working but it'll be traveling all over the place yeah it'll be so cool well i think i only really have one question left but i know for a fact of something that you've told me in the past that this will prompt a good story. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm limbered up. I'm ready. So you're responsible for these people that you're booking tours for when they're mm-hmm. in Africa. So oh God, what I know. <laughs> kind of issues have you run into? <laughs> uh, I mean, usually they're relatively minor. Like people forgot to bring their immunization certificate or their flight got canceled. And they need help finding a new one Mm -hmm. uh but i did have a client not long ago and i won't name them because that would be a dick move uh but they had bought like a a cow's horn like uh, a maasai guy had sold him a cow's horn like a nicely preserved cool looking horn Mm -hmm. um and he put it in his bag didn't tell anyone on his trip obviously but when he got to the border and they scanned his bag they thought he had stolen like ivory oh so he got arrested so he got arrested and, and for about a day, I thought he had stolen yeah. ivory and we were like freaking out. They were threatening him with jail time, huge fines. In the end, it turned out it was just a cow's horn, which is still illegal. You still can't take animal products out of the country. Yeah. But we hired a lawyer for the guy uh, up on this obscure border town. It wasn't anywhere near the safari park because he got caught at, a, at like a, an airstrip flying out of the country. Okay. Um, we had a lawyer for him. We organized another night's accommodation. We bumped everything else in his trip ahead one day to make it work still so he didn't miss anything um so yeah that worked out in the end but um, it was pretty frightening like when when you hear that some guy's trying to smuggle ivory you're like oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit i mean a cow's horn less worrying still illegal but like that's like weed versus heroin illegal it's a slightly <laughs> different it's a slightly different illegal substance like one of them one of them's not going to get you you know 
put in jail for 30 years or whatever the penalty might be. Uh, and now they've made plastic bags illegal, which is a great move. But but it's happened so quickly and there's a, and like they can give you up to seven days in jail if you bring one in. And so we've been frantically making sure every single client is well aware that even even like a like a clip seal bag that like isn't one of the really small ones. You can have a Ziploc bag, but it has to be like the tiny kind of one you'd put like single use toiletries in. Okay. Anything bigger though, and that either is a $250 fine or seven days in jail. Wow. Yeah, they're really cracking down hard. Rwanda and Kenya, it's been illegal for a few years now, and now Tanzania. It's good though, because the plastic oh, waste know. problem that's, there is I massive. I mean, the plastic waste problem all over the world is terrible. But that's yeah. like real intense, and I love that. Get on board, America. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's good. I just want them to start doing what Botswana does with um, poaching, which is if you're seen inside a Botswana national park uh, with a weapon, they're able to shoot on sight. <gasps> no trial, no oh like, hey, get out of here. It's but but no one's no one's poaching uh, in Botswana, elephants yeah, in Botswana. True. They're like, nah, I'm I'm gonna go to Zimbabwe. Uh, I'll go to Huangai National Park and do it because you don't want to mess with Botswanans. They're they're serious about their elephant conservation and good on them. Yeah, good on them. In fact, a few years ago, I raised I helped raise ten thousand dollars to ship uh, an elephant to um, to Botswana. Like there's a, a company like a charity that helps rehome uh, elephants from places with high poaching rates into Botswana parks. And so, like, we raised $10,000 to help make that happen for one elephant. Like, we couldn't afford to do more, but that's still cool. That one elephant is now living in, like, elephant paradise instead of having <laughs> to worry about getting shot because a guy in China can't get his dick up, which is literally what they use ivory for. Jesus. Yeah. that's. I mean, I'm not even kidding. The ivory trade is basically predicated on the idea that it's good for a man's putting a bit of lead in his pencil, even oh. though chemically it's the same as chewing a fingernail. So what they they consume the ivory? That's all it's for. You grind, yeah. It's ground up and used. I mean, some people obviously buy it for the ornamental value. Yeah, or but it also has med- things out of it. Yeah, whereas uh, some, but some people uh, there's a belief in it being uh, medicinal, uh, and it's like many weird things with medicinal stuff. It's good for men's stamina, um, which is which is not being able to run for a long time. It's just being able to get it up. Yeah. Um, but chemically speaking, uh, the ivory in a, in a rhino's horn is no different than your fingernail. So even if it was true that, that this, this uh, carotene would get you erect more often, you'd just be able to chew your friend's fingernail. Or your own, <laughs> I guess. I don't know why I went straight to friend's Oh, that was weird. That's a bit weird. <laughs> hey, mate, can I just borrow your toenail? There's this girl back in the room. She's a real goer. Oh, just going to chew on a toenail. Come here, sweetheart. <laughs> No, but don't kiss me. It tastes like feet. That just took a really weird turn. <laughs> I feel like it was a very, it's been a very serious conversation. I know, it so has. I'm just trying to, I'm trying, I've been trying to work in. I mean, I guess it's because I'm passionate about it. I, I do find it funny, but it's hard for me to, to joke about something I'm, I'm pretty uh, passionate and invested in. No, I mean, I honestly, like, I knew little to nothing about safaris um, besides what I've read, obviously, in books and seen in, you know, tv shows or whatever media well i i get when i p- tell people i work with like i work in the safari industry a lot of people ask me if i mean the browser <laughs> like on a they're like oh so you're like what do you code i'm like no i sell safaris to like tanzania and stuff and they're like, oh like hunting i'm like there are so many misconceptions about what i do is the industry growing or it is diminishing as far it's... as like people as, as far as tourism for it like uh, I would say it's definitely booming. Um, the West has always been pretty fascinated with it, but even there, there's a spike. But Asia, like a lot of Asian nations, are, are starting to sort of realize that it's safe and it's achievable. Uh, China and India, in particular, you're getting a lot more groups coming over, which is good for me because I am the person they have to buy safaris yeah. from in China and India. Um, but China, in particular, is getting really big on it now that now that people have sort of had a, a decade or, or 15 years of like that affluence where they can go out and visit Thailand and the Maldives in the US, they're now being like, I want to do something else. I want to do something cool. Yeah. So I get a lot of, of requests from China. And it's weird because they've all obviously read something that tells them the places to visit because they'll all request the same seven places. Mm-hmm. And six of them make perfect sense. I'm like, yeah, of course, the Serengeti, Mount Kilimanjaro. But one of them, and it's always this one, it's called Lake Natron. And it's a lake in Tanzania near a volcano, very unique landscape that 15 years ago had a lot of flamingos, mm-hmm. but does not anymore. Uh, or it does, but like super rarely. But they, they all insist they need to go there to see the flamingos. And I'll be like, maybe, maybe go here to see the flamingos. No, no, no. I read a book somewhere. And I'm like, okay. 
So Lake Natron, I think, probably has more Chinese tourists than any other variety of tourists because most Westerners don't even ask about it. But a lot of Chinese and no tourists animals see to be it. seen. <laughs> not really. It's not a national park, uh, and a lot of flamingos, as you probably know, have a very like sensitive. They're very sensitive to changing yeah. condition. So they'll move at a heartbeat. There was a park in Kenya that was famous for them for the longest time, but then too much fresh water got in and it, it, it changed the alkaline level of the water and they all just left to another yeah. lake. So now to this day, people are like, Where, why aren't there any flamingos here? I'm like, oh, they moved like literally an hour's drive up the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the weird one with, with China is they always want to see Lake Natron. Mm. Uh, and I and I let them. I always warn them that they're not going to see a lot there. But I'm like, go. You can climb an active volcano there, but not a lot of people choose to. But you can climb an active volcano if you would like to, Kate. I'm good. <laughs> I'll look at it from far there's away. There's no lava. There's not. There's no lava yeah, coming out of it. It's just very hot. No, I've seen the no. movie Dante's Peak too many times. Oh, Dante's classic. I know. I have not seen that movie oh. in so long, and I'm actually quite pleased you just reminded me of it. Maybe I'll watch that later. It, it was so weird. Two volcano movies came out at the same time because remember there was Dante's Peak, and then there was Volcano with uh, Tommy Lee I Jones, where that volcano. volcano. Oh my god! A volcano literally grows in like two days out of the La Brea tar pits. Like literally, <laughs> just appears, and then it starts to spew volca- like volcanic ash and lava all over LA. Is it LA? Yeah, Is that where see, the, the Brea yeah but that, yeah. see, that doesn't fascinate me because it's too. It, it's implausible. <laughs> yeah, it's too implausible. Whereas, like Dante's Peak, I think reminds me a lot of Northern California, just like the look of it. So it was just like more realistic, but we don't have obviously an active volcano, oh, so oh, it's fine. What's yeah. going to happen? But. I loved that movie so much. That was one of my favorite huh. movies when I was little. <laughs> Today I learned. That and All Twister. I remember from that is... Oh, and Twister. Classic. That was a big period for disaster yeah. movies, come to think of it. Twister. Timeless classic. So good. Although... Helen Hunt. Hasn't aged well. Such a babe. <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I think I was always, How has it aged well? Uh, that's like 1996 or something, right? So, yeah. I know, but what's what about it hasn't aged well, though? I, I mean... The special effects, oh, <laughs> the yeah. acting. You mean the cow <laughs> flying in front of the car? Didn't I mean my heart stopped. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I think there's always that level of of, of cringe yeah. uh, if you watch any movie from your childhood, unless it's The Goonies, which is perfect, and I'll not hear about. Still never seen about. it. <gasps> you need to see The Goonies. Did we talk about this it... recently, or was it somebody else? That movie come out recently with somebody. I don't know, but. It's it's I think it's one of those things though if you didn't see it as a kid it might like it's like the Princess yeah. Bride for me. Oh, I yeah, can I see why like people the, like I it. I love the Princess Bride. <laughs> I, I saw I saw it when I was like twenty five, so I'm like, I mean this is okay I guess. But if I'd seen it as a kid, like I saw the Goonies or uh The Land Before Time, I'm sure I'd be like squeeing out. Yeah. But you know, as an adult I'm like, cool. All it's right. no labyrinth. It's no We're David Bowie. Way off topic here. <laughs> <laughs> You brought up Dante's Peak. Well, you brought up volcanoes. Yeah. And the lab. I did. I did. Old Donio um, yep. That's the name of the volcano. All right. Well, I think you answered all my questions and the questions that people sent in for us. Nice. Um, nice. So that's so good. This is, I'm glad to have helped. It was a great, great, great little, little hour long nugget of information for anyone curious. About should I, safaris. should I, can I do a shameless plug real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Is that. I mean, we're going to do our shameless plug, but do yours uh, the first. company I work for, <laughs> yes, the company I work for is Shadows of Africa. So Shadows of Africa, um, you can find us Googling that wherever or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. Uh, and you can email me, uh, Chris at shadowsofafrica.com and I will help you have an awesome safari. Yeah. With as just don't steal any cow horns. You're going to get me in don't trouble. Don't steal any animal stuff. Any animals. Just don't steal anything, yeah. actually. Come to think of it. Well, the guy just technically anything. didn't steal, though. He bought it, right? He did. He purchased yeah. it from don't, a Maasai don't, guy. So, I mean... Don't touch... Yeah, don't, don't... Don't... Just don't. <laughs> just don't, mate. Look, just pull pull your head in, pull your socks up, and sort your life out. Stop it. Um. Cool. So, Chris, Shadows of Africa. Um, dot com. Yeah. Dot com. <laughs> and you guys can find us, obviously. It comes with Baggage Pod on Instagram. comes with Baggage Podcast on Facebook. CWB podcast on Twitter. Comes with baggage podcast at gmail.com for email. Let us know thoughts, questions, concerns, feedback. If you just want to compliment um, us, great. Rate, review, subscribe. Let, let us know your favorite movie from the 90s. <laughs> yes. 
Dante's Peak versus Volcano, that kind of thing. I mean, seriously, weigh in. We have lots of time. Yeah. We can read your stuff. Um, and yeah, give us a rating. Give us some more reviews. We've had some good reviews come in recently, and I very much appreciate them. We want to hear from all of you that we don't know <laughs> that might be listening. Um, yes. Let us know what you think. Clarissa, if you're listening, give us a review. I know you are because you told me. And so review me. Um, airdrop it to strangers. Although, God, I keep trying, and all of these strangers are just cluing in on it and putting theirs on contacts only. So I can't find oh, anyone. I, I found a guy's airdrop open the other day. But I didn't think of this, and I just airdropped him a photo of one of my Pokemon. So that was a wasted opportunity, I just realized. What kind of co-host are you? I'm, oh, Failure! Damn I'm just... Damn it! Oh, such an idiot! <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I think that about wraps I it up. I think so. I think let's, uh, let's, let's call it a night. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, can I say it this you week? You can. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>